This is MSCI Perspectives, your source for weekly research insights as investors respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm your host, Adam Bass, and today is June 11th, 2020. This week, much like health officials have been modeling different scenarios, so too have those analyzing financial markets. These stress tests present potential effects based on different sets of assumptions. And while not predictive, they can help investors think through their options and plan their way forward. We spoke with Thomas Verbrocken of the Risk Management Solutions Research Team, who conducts many of these tests for MSCI. Thomas, thanks for being here. Of course, it's my pleasure. You're speaking with us from your home in Budapest, but you grew up on the other side of Europe in Belgium. They've been hit pretty hard by COVID-19. Um, yes, yes, that's right. Um, Belgium is among the most impacted countries, and unfortunately, my, my hometown, Sintreide, made the headlines because within Belgium, it was uh, very severely impacted among, among the worst places to be. Before the lockdown, there was still a carnival held in my hometown, and many people attended that who recently returned from, from ski trips to Italy. So that was kind of a super spreader event. It's amazing how something so small, like a festival, can have such large repercussions. The toll the virus eventually takes really depends on on these little details. So stress tests. Let's start at the beginning. What are they? Why are they important? Why are they useful? Yes, sure. Well, well, stress testing really got famous because of the role it's played in the financial crisis um, and also in banking regulations since then. And I think one of the reasons why stress testing is is so useful and and why many people do it is because it's a form of storytelling. It's really answering the what-if question. For example, what could happen to my portfolio if there is a second outbreak of COVID-19 in the second half of 2020? So because it's all about narratives, about stories, many people can can relate to it. Also, those who don't have a quantitative background to understand all the details they can still relate to the narrative uh, told in a stress test. How do you design an effective stress test? Yes, yeah, so so basically we, we look at stress testing as, um, uh, as a two-step procedure. So the first step is coming up with a, with a scenario. It's what we call the scenario design step. Basically coming up with a story or stories you want to tell um, and then expressing them in a quantitative way. And typically that's done by um, defining shocks on major market variables. So um, you can have a given story and then you say under that story, the MSCI USA index um, would drop by 15%, the treasury yield would go down um, by by 50 basis points and so on. So you have a a story and a quantitative way of of telling that story. Um, But that's just the first step because now you have, let's say, a handful of risk factor shocks defined to describe your your scenario, but you want to see what your portfolio does under that scenario. So you have to propagate, as we say, the handful of risk factors, shocks to your entire portfolio. And and that's the second step. And it's it's really a crucial step because without this, it just remains mere storytelling. You have to to be able to connect the narrative um, to your portfolio. And this is, of course, where risk systems come into play because they allow you to do that propagation step to, to make sure that the portfolio is impacted in all its granularity in a, in a consistent way. The current situation stems from a health crisis rather than a financial one. Does that change anything about how you conduct a stress test? Do you do anything differently? 
when we create a narrative, we always aim to capture the, the causation chain, starting with the primary driver and ending with the financial portfolio. And that's not different in, in this story. We really have to start then with the with assumptions on the spread of the virus and the corresponding policy responses in terms of uh, containment measures, such as lockdowns, with how the, the virus might spread, what could be uh, the reaction of, of governments to that virus, how they want to contain this. Um, and then in the next step, we will move to the economic consequences. Um, basically, by combining all these elements into a, a coherent narrative, we want to answer the question, okay, under that narrative, what will my portfolio do? And how precise can you get with these tests? What do you do if the conditions of your scenario change? So that's why, you know, under these very uncertain circumstances, we really prefer to model a range of scenarios. And I really want to get that message across that stress testing, it's it's not about having a crystal ball. It's absolutely not about forecasting the most likely scenario. What we use it for is to model severe but plausible scenarios based on the information we have at hand. And that process gives you then a range of outcomes, which you can take into account when managing um, the downside risk of your portfolios. How many different scenarios did you design for this stress test? Well, we basically created four um, COVID scenarios, and, and these are based on the uh, on an analysis done by the, the IMF. And as I mentioned before, the, the key ingredient of the narrative is really how the pan- pandemic evolves. For example, there is a, a scenario where we assume that no further outbreak will happen and we will fairly quickly go back to an economic situation as before. Or there is a scenario where um, outbreaks and lockdowns return well into 2021 with, of course, much more significant implications for um, for the economy. These are the V, U, L, and Swiss-shaped recoveries we've been reading about. Do you mind explaining those in a little more detail? So the, the V-shaped recovery um, assumes that we fairly quickly go back to business as usual um, without any further outbreaks. Um, a second scenario, a U-shaped scenario, um, also assumes that there wouldn't be further outbreaks, but that restrictions are lifted more slowly. So there will still be quite heavy social distancing measures uh, in place, um, but we won't have a, another major lockdown as we've seen in the first half of the year. Then we have a swoosh-shaped scenario. Um, by the way, the swoosh is the um, the Nike logo, so it really represents that very quick contraction followed by a, a really slow recovery. Now, under that scenario, we assume that there will be a further outbreak in the second half of the year. And under the L-shaped scenario, as I mentioned before, we, we assume that, well, the virus will be around with with outbreaks and with um, lockdowns well into 2021. Um, so we will really have severe damage to the to the economy. And what were your results? Well, basically in the equity market impact compared to pre-COVID levels, so basically compared to mid-February levels, ranged from minus 13% for a V-shaped recovery to minus 45% under an L-shaped recovery. But now we are again close to the, the mid-February uh, levels for equity markets. So the impacts I was just mentioning would be similar um, relative to today's levels. And for a more diversified multi-asset class portfolio consisting of, of 60% global equities and 40% US fixed income, um, the impact relative to today's levels could range 
between minus 5% and minus 25%. How have equity markets reacted since the stress test? Have we seen any particular shape? Yes. So basically, the equity market impact, which we which we state in our, under our scenarios, they are basically um, assuming that the equity markets react to um, changing expectations. So as we went from mid-February to basically the, the bottom of the market somewhere in, in March, we've seen that you know markets were gradually pricing worse and worst case scenarios. Um, and around the end of March, they were in line or consistent with our uh, swoosh-shaped scenario. So the, the one but most severe scenario. But since then, they, they have started recovering. And by now, they're actually exceeding our optimistic V-shaped scenario. So does that mean that markets are you know, implicitly predicting that the economic recovery will be swift? Um, no, that's that's not what this is meant to do. What we want to do with kind of providing this range is showing that under the assumptions of our scenarios, equity markets would be around that level um, under those assumptions. So basically, it helps to assess the impact under more pessimistic scenarios than, than where we are now um, in order you know, for investors to help manage the, the downside risk um, if new outbreaks occur, if new lockdowns um, occur. And basically, that's kind of in line with with what they say that um, you know you should hope for the best, but always be prepared for the for the worst. And that's what we're trying to uh, achieve with providing those ranges of, of scenarios. That's all for this week. Thanks to Thomas and to all of you for joining us. We hope you'll join us next week when Demetrius Mellis, head of global equity research, returns with five lessons from the crisis so far. If you have a moment. We hope you'll subscribe to this podcast so you can stay up to date on our latest episodes and insights. If there's a topic you like explored or just want to let us know what you think, don't hesitate to leave us a comment. For more from MSCI, check out our sister podcast, ESG Now, follow us on the MSCI LinkedIn page, and don't forget to bookmark www.msci.com coronavirus for all our crisis-related content. Until next week, I'm your host, Adam Bass, and this is MSCI Perspectives. Stay safe, everyone.